Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit, Get Fit, Chat with PTs. This is a show where we chat to health professionals from a wide range of backgrounds about a wide range of topics. This week we sit down with the incredible coach Dean Hammond. Now if you've been with us for a long time, you'll know Dean has appeared many, many times over the last 12 months as essentially a knowledge bomb dropping support act and we have him today's background on numerous occasions. This week however, we go a little bit deeper with his story. He basically gives it to us on a really raw level, and I do say this at the end of the episode, but it's almost like a full loop, because if you've heard him before in our previous episodes, you, you know, you'll know what he's like, you'll know what his approach is like, uh, and this journey he takes us on uh, this week, it does make it really clear to why he is so driven, why he is so passionate, and almost maybe in your face at times. Uh, it's not all serious though, as this is the uh, Chat Shit Get Fit podcast, we, uh, we bring back an old favourite in the Pet Peeves ranking system. Well, I say bring back, but Tom basically digs them up. That might give it away. Uh, we also stage an intervention for Dean at the end regarding Clubhouse. So that's certainly worth sticking around for. So yeah, sit back uh, and enjoy what I think is a really inspirational bit of storytelling. So let's get into this week's episode. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast. Good evening, gents. Good evening, Tom and Bill. Welcome back, Dean. That is a very familiar voice. It is a very oh, wow. familiar voice. Yeah. What it's is our, this? Um, our... Time, what are we on? Four? Five? I don't know. Five now, I'm, isn't it? I'm not even sure at this point. I mean, the first one you had was Skinny Jab. Oh, That God. was the very first adventure, wasn't it? Skinny Jab, Boom Bod, Juice Plus. What else did we get? We did Skinny Jab. We did a little bit about... Sherbal life, or something like that. Yep, yep, we did. We uh, did we sleep, did. which was really sleep, popular. Yeah, sleep, sleep was a popular one, and that by we itself did. was worth three episodes. That yeah. was a good one. That was a really. Good, I loved that chat with you guys. And then we did, did we did another one on training or something. I can't remember what we did. Yeah, it's definitely like three. I'm or sure. Four. I'm sure we've done yeah. more. I'm sure we've done. Yeah. More. But the thing is, what's what's also important is that obviously where we have had you on quite consistently with gaps in between, we've also got to see your mustache flourish as well. Oh well, thank you. It, this has had some growth, hasn't oh, it? Oh God, yeah. Growth. I mean, it, it almost it almost feels like you know watching your own child grow, you know. <laughs> and like over time, we've got to see like uh, it's it's like it's like when you take on a client and you first introduce them to a, just a bar build, and over time they start adding plates, and you feel that sense of you just look at me, you nod, and you're like, yeah, go on, that's the way. And now I'm looking at your mustache. I'm like, God, look at it. It is just powerful it needs a podcast it's of its own overload of mustache growth that's mm. exactly what it is mm. you trim like it, it you wax it you groom it you brush it and you oil it and you keep it healthy and that's exactly what needs to be done and you, so, tr- you treat with care and love yeah I, as with everything else i do in life meticulous detail right it almost feels like we should at some point actually just have your mustache on dean so if at any point you know if you could just <laughs> take it off, take it off <laughs> Because oh, we all know it's moved maybe I'll on. Just keep the camera so close to it, you just see everything here, everything from the nose below. I, mean, I don't even know if that is your mouth moving when you talk, Dean. For all I know, you're like a sentient being. You're actually just a mustache, oh, and go. the rest of you is just attached to the mustache. <laughs> this is another now. Dean's not real. Yeah. Now no, you're not real, Dean. The I mean, mustache is a brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Great start. Love the chat. Classic, classic intro as, as but usual. No, it is, it is great to <laughs> oh, have you brilliant. back on, Dean, because as, as usual, you know you are not just a fountain of knowledge, uh, but you're also a critical thinker, which is one of the main that. things we, you know, we, we really appreciate about having you on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. I think that's probably the reason why I'm here. And I just want to say, 
you know, thank you for having me back on. Like, I think every time we spoke, we've always had such a meaningful conversation. And I know it's good banter. It is mm. chat shit. You're right. It is about chatting shit. But, you know, every time we've come on, I feel like the, the conversation is just growing more and more. And yeah, like you just said there, I pride myself on being a critical thinker. I pride myself on understanding research and I also pride myself on dispelling any misinformation in this industry because there is so much bullshit out there and it's difficult for people to kind of weigh through all the detail, isn't it? And yeah. I think what you're doing with this podcast is absolutely phenomenal. Like I've seen the growth over the past year and watched you guys develop more with this podcast and, you know, with the, just the, obviously the two of you now, but it it's just been such... It's been like, you know, you sit there like a, like a proud brother on the sideline. <laughs> it's yeah, kind yeah. of what it's I like. I know what you mean, yeah. There was like a proud, a proud colleague and a proud brother looking going, do you know what? That's an incredible change. And I give you a phrase. It's called, the word's called mudita. And it's seeing joy in, there's no other, we have these words in the English language. Which I'm Googling it now. Triumph. Mudita, M-U-D-I-T-A. But it's seeing, it's being joyful and being passionate and caring about other people's, other people's achievements and projects that they that like. Like that's that is the word, and that's a word I use so often with my clients. Is that I? That's what I champion. The phrase mudita, in the sense that watching people like you guys just being genuinely so happy and joyful that people make such an incredible change, not just in their way of thinking, not just in what they're doing in this industry. But you're both full-time professional men. You you both have families. You both have other roles and responsibilities, yet you stick on this for free for anybody else that wants to just have a knowledge base or come in and just have some fun and listen to conversations. Because I think these conversations can be so dark and sciencey with some yeah. people. But you don't do that. And it is. like I do genuinely think the podcast is brilliant, mate. And You've, I'm, I'm an avid listener. I love the content. Um, I, I love some of the guys you've spoken to, the coaches before, the the incredible athletes. Like mm. it really is. It's a good podcast, and you've worked. You've got a great little, a great little thing going forward. So yeah, I'm a fan. So please don't stop doing it because it's good. To we really appreciate, appreciate it. Dean. No, I mean, one thing is like we would always pick a topic before. And then we'd let people weigh in on that topic. But now, like, kind of the direction we've done with this series on just chatting with PTs, it's like actually you get to pick the topic, and then we get to weigh on in it. Mm. You know, ah. so we've kind of done the old switcheroo. Yeah. But wow. yeah, I have googled your word here, mudita, and that is pleasure or delight in others' well-being. So you know, I really appreciate that, Dean. That is wicked. It's the only phrase I can when people ask me why you do what you do. I just tell them that phrase. Mudita, and I just put a little bit more meaning to it. It's not a pleasure. It's yeah. it's an unrelenting feeling of happiness, pride. The, the stuff that I do, hmm. it's people call it like a side hustle. That's not a hustle to me. It's yes, it's a, that to me, that's a passion project that has become hmm. my livelihood. It's everything to me, and it's not just. If I was in this industry for money, my goodness me, I'd be a, I'd be an entrepreneur in the MLM schemes. Like I'm not about that life. I'm in. You'd be good at it as well, Dean. With a tash. But I'm <laughs> in the industry for that very reason, for the reason of mm. Mudita, because there's mm. not no greater feeling than seeing your athletes yeah. achieve something that they themselves believe that they could not achieve. And 100%. when you take them beyond their physical feats, 
their mental feats and their movement capabilities, you come with this ultimate goal of, of performance. And I'm sure we'll delve into those pillars, but that's why I love this industry. It's no, I really like that. I mean, at the end of the day, we do work with individual human beings. And uh, in fact, you know, very recently, I actually put up a story on Instagram saying that one of my pet peeves is when coaches and PTs refer to their job as the grind or the hustle. Yeah which straight away shows to me that they're seeing their clientele or their job as just pound signs, you know, oh, another sucker, another paycheck. But, you know, a part of the job, do you know what? Part of the job is Mudita. Mudita. The whole of the job is Mudita. It's all Mudita. You make these impacts on your clients' lives for the benefit of of their health, their performance, their mental health. You know, it's, it's fantastic. You do get to take pride in seeing your clients succeed. So yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that mindset, Dean, 100%. And that's the new word I'm going to put to that, Mudita. Mudita. I like it. And I can say it's Cockney as well. I'll be like, yeah, Mudita. Mudita. Apples and pears. <laughs> Mudita. It, it, does, it, does sound, <laughs> up, it. it does sound like I'm down my local boozer on a curry night going like, yeah, 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 Lambuna and a Mudita. Yeah. But yeah, that's I'm it. still going to use that word. <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. I feel like you could use you could use it in so many different sentences, couldn't you, Mudita? Yeah. It just sounds. Next time about the pub, that's what I'm gonna really do. It's a big word, and I've yeah, it's just it means it means quite a bit to me. So I kind of use it in a lot of my awesome. phrases and stuff. It's really it's. We'll, we'll get it on a shirt, mate. We'll get it on a shirt. With many of our other little catchphrases. Like it. I like it. Yeah. Oh, we, oh fuck it, we, mate. We've got we can have a catalogue at this rate. Mudito and a pack of pork scratchings, please, mate. <laughs> honestly we could make uh-huh. the, the drink yeah. uh, we could make the drink a pleasure drink couldn't we like it gives you all the sensations there you go you're in you've got Quite yourself a give me a mudita love it the love it at this rate the episode's going to be oh. called fucking mudita anyway let's, let's actually yeah. start, start the show um, <laughs> so so um, Dean we're going to start with uh, something a little bit a little bit comical so okay. we like to start these we start, like to start these episodes a bit of a light joke get people laughing get people get people sucking in basically to put it put it bluntly. I think we've done so, well to start already I think we have done very well to start I didn't expect that so I was like well okay we've, we've <laughs> got a different different route but that's, that's the great thing the show is allowed to go different routes isn't <laughs> hey, it? we're so, chatting shit right exactly exactly that hang, hang a minute I'll just realise a bit Bill um, so Dean who are you <laughs> who, who, who are you? Since, since yeah. this is what, uh, what 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 kind of like series we're doing at the moment, Dean, tell okay. us a bit about yourself. Who are you? What is your name? Oh my we'll, we'll get, but the best way to start that, Dean, is we are going to get into your story. But before we do that, the best way people get to know you is your is your gym pet peeves. Before we mm. get any further, my pet peeves. The, so top top three. We are going to rank these. Only three, Dean. I'm not sure. You were you with us? You were with us when we had the old ranking system, weren't you? I was, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we, we've had to change now, but the yeah, thing is, I've had, I've, had, I've, had com- I've had complaints. I've had people saying, where's the old ranker system? And I said, right, in this in this day and age, we've had to make changes. But I've said, I've promised these people, if we ever get a pet peeve so abhorrent, so disgusting, it will be going into that place which will not be named until such time. Okay, mm. right. So we'll wait, we'll see what you've got to say. We'll see what you've got to say. But we will rank these on our uh, the RPC scale, which is probably yeah. just as offensive for really, some people. <laughs> The rate of perceived country. Oh, I love yeah. it. That's absolutely. Yeah. I had something else in my word, but that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And so you want me to do some rank order, okay? So, in in what though? In the gym with coaching? Yeah, at- gym, yeah. Or anything, anything health related, gym, health fitness related, coaching, yeah. anything you see online, particular viewpoints, anything to do with this industry, really? Oh, the army. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could be all the day, army. Oh my goodness me! Oh my goodness! So here we go. Um, 
Oh, he's out of control. This is going to be tough, mate. Really difficult. Okay, pet peeve number one is this is probably the top priority. The top, top, top priority. And it's close. Oh, do I? Yeah, I'm going to say it. It doesn't matter. Is when people in this industry, whether they're coaches or athletes, regardless of experience, knowledge, understanding, refer to everything in absolutes. That's probably one of my biggest pet peeves is that people people are not people are not critical thinkers people don't don't sit on the edge of the fence and understand things from both sides they don't They're look black at, and white they exactly they do look at people fitness industry is not black and white the fitness industry no, is an ever complex, evolving so complicated an mm. ever evolving multifactorial based industry and there are so many pillars and concepts to it there are so many biopsychosocial models there are so many biomechanical factors there are so many anthropometrical factors there are so many different things that we have to consider that make up fitness personal to each one and i think the one biggest pet peeve for me is when people see things as black and white particularly coaches and they then portray that onto their clients thinking that that's what their clients want that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves fucking old day i mean Last week we had bicep curler in front of the mirror. This week we've got sort as deep as that. I mean, it tells you the uh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> the, the depth of the pet. That's no, really good. I mean, it's a, it's a change of shape. Yeah, I think it's one of mine. <laughs> everybody is such an everybody is such an individual, and I yes, suppose yep. kind of into that priority is we have to see things more on principle based rather than method based. Like methods are many to a dozen, thousands to a chime, but principles are what guide you through everything that you do, whether you are athlete-based or coach-based. It doesn't matter. I think what's important is that even as an athlete and even as a coach, we don't highlight things as black and white. There are some things which evidence tells us X, experience tells us X, but then we have to take so many other factors into consideration. And that, for me, is probably one of my biggest pet peeves because... There are big influences in this industry. Who's who's who would you say the pet peeve is? The individual, or the education system, because obviously it's very like sometimes people yeah. just need that bit of a steer in the right because you only know what you know, don't you? And if someone has been brave, not brainwashed, but if someone's been literally told from day one, this is this, this is that, and they just think, okay, I trust this person, I'm going to believe. So them. probably the individual, in my opinion, I think the individual more okay, so yeah. because the education system is changing, it's evolving, and the fitness industry. I think is getting better. There's more to be done, but it's getting better. But it's the individual because we're all attached to our biases. I get that. We all have our biases, but you've got to look at it from more. You've got to be more contextual with what you're thinking about and what you're saying. And there, there are certain platforms, especially in the social media space, that's so, that's just an unlimited, infinite amount of people you can reach that people are speaking absolutes and it's just it's dangerous as well it's dangerous it's really dangerous because it's barriers to fitness it's barriers to entry but equally we could be inhibiting people's performance mm. so that for me pet peeve number one what do you think tom why are you ranking that it's gonna be high isn't it yeah that's a that is a good one um do you know what i'm gonna go for nine so that's pretty high up on the rpc scale the reason why it hasn't hit a 10 is because oh, it's almost like it's it's human nature, you know, to, you know, we'll just see things black and white and have our biases. But yeah, 100% agree with you, Dean. Uh, in fact, I pretty much said something quite similar in one of your club clubhouse rooms not so long ago. Um, the thing that people need to understand is that in particular with fitness and nutrition, 
exercise, etc., is it is inherently linked to science at the end of the day because physiology, nutrition, you know, it is a scientific field. And science is an ever-shifting sea, you know. Today's fact might be tomorrow's myths. Today's myths might be tomorrow's facts, you know. Not so long ago, um, you know, nutritionists were seen fat as the bad guy. And now fat is good for you. It's carbohydrates that are the bad guy. And now we're trying to find that balance, you know. Like, it's constantly changing. So with that, you've got... Now, I'm not saying that we all need to be gullible and change our opinions at the drop of the hat. But one, we have to kind of see what the current consensus is. Yeah. Amongst, uh, you know, what, what the literature says. So when I say common cons- like the consensus, I don't mean just among the general population. Because, you know, common consensus is that, you know... Pain, mecha- pain means that you're mechanically damaged, which we know isn't the yeah, case. Exactly. But, you know, we have to kind of <sighs> judge things based on, like, what the current literature suggests if we've got the ability to actually translate that. But basically, just be open-minded. Exactly. But at the end of the day, I'm not saying just be gullible and accept anything. You know, just at the end of the day, there is something called a Dunning-Kruger effect. The vast majority of people, personal trainers in general, um, tend to never leave that first hill. You know, we actually want to embrace falling down it because that's when the real learning begins. Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. I'm going to throw a nine on there because that is yeah. annoying. Um, but even though I do believe that a lot of it is the educational system at fault, at the same time, it is the person's fault as well in some contexts because some of them purposely skew the data just to fit their biases and, and then the difference where about critical thinking critical thinking is not just taking on somebody else's opinion and accepting that or listening to somebody else's critical thinking is truly going into a subject with a bias yes and completely putting yourself in a neutral ground and yeah. let's say for example i did a post on our our squats inherent uh, our knees past the toes in a squat pattern inherently bad for us and in, for me, my complete bias was no, no, because that's how I move. So to be yeah. a critical thinker in that setting, I had to be completely neutral and look at the research, the meta-analyses that had been done and all of the peer reviews that had been done on all this metadata about knees going over toes and what the inherent risk was involved in all of those. And you take that data and you interpret it on an unbiased approach and you go, okay, this is what it's suggesting. So you provide that data and say, this is what the data suggests about knees going over toes. And then on the other side of the fence, this is equally, conversely, what data is suggesting about toes. So when we look at these studies, we can say that going past the toes is not bad for you. However, if you some individuals, exactly, if you are X, Y or Z, this may be a consideration you need to look at. And that's how we interpret that data. But equally, we might say, Okay, we found that knees past the toes is can be quite bad for you over the long term. So we might want to look at this. So it's that's critical thinking. And that this is why this is why those that do this don't have the opportunity to spend hours on social media creating videos and doing all this because they really are embedded into the process of reading literature, experiencing it from other coaches, practically applying it on the shop floor with the population that you're working with. And that's the key. That is the absolute key for that black and white priorities lift. 
another point I want to make on critical thinking as well is that sometimes the objective isn't even to, you know, oh, you're only a critical thinker if you completely change your mind. Sometimes that might not be the case. It might just be a simple case of, well, do you know what? Maybe now that I have looked into it more, I've refined my opinion a little bit. I've refined so I've not completely, yeah. So you might not have completely flipped it around completely, you know, but you might have thought, well, actually, I didn't consider this before, so maybe I'm just going to refine it a little bit. Love it. You know, and that's critical thinking. It ain't about completely dropping everything, you know, well, drop of a hat. It's just about realising, oh, well, okay, well, maybe, you know, there's some extra bit of nuance here, yeah. basically. Where do you rate it, Bill? I'm, I'm going to say nine as well, simply because if I say 10, that means we've got to bring the old scale back. Because 10, <laughs> is, 10 is like, we're, we're getting there on 10, oh, aren't we? Really? But no, I think, yeah, to, I think I think Tom said it perfectly there. I don't think I need to go into more more detail yeah. on that. Um, what, what's, what's your second one, Dean? Let's, let's number two. Straight. Okay. Number so, two. Number two. This is a bit of a strange one, I think, for a number of different people. Um, I am a massive, I'm a massive fan of the standard you walk past is the standard you set. So in the gym environment, if you are one of these people that leave your shit everywhere after you've trained, oh, yeah. plates, clips, barb, all that stuff, the standard you're setting there in that environment and you walking past that standard, that is the standard you're setting in every other aspect of your life. And this is where deep thinking comes into it. It sounds really surface level, yeah, this is a pet peeve. But no, if if that's the standard you're setting in your gym environment at the end of your session what are you setting with your non-negotiable tasks what are you setting with your sleep routine what are you setting with your stress management um, protocols what are you doing with your nutrition it stems into everything what level of performance are you outputting in your professional work if that's the level of shit that you're leaving behind when you walk out of the gym and that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people leave shit everywhere and I, I literally sit there and explain this to them and I'm like Okay, look at it from my side of the fence because I'm seeing that and thinking, what are you doing? What else are you doing in your life where you just leave shit out and expect somebody else to pick up after you? That's not how this environment works. You're coming into an environment supposed to be positive. It's supposed to be about self-respect. Supposed to be about care, compassion, empathy, being better. Are you really being better when you leave your barbells and all your shit out? No, because somebody else then has to come up and pick up your mess. That's probably. Number two, and the reason I said it was close to number one is because they're on different fences, aren't they? But number two, for me, I I cannot stand the shit that gets left out in the gym. I think if you're the type of person that does that, you're on the RPC scale of pretty high for me. Do you know what? It's usually those people as well that they're usually the first ones to complain about it being a state or things missing as well. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's pretty shit. Yeah. Yep. I love how you've uh, dissected that again, Dean. We've gone from a very superficial, like just just leaving kit out, leaving barbells out, you know, the basic one, and you've gone right. Let's go. Let's go deeper with this. Let's think about what they are like in love. Because I, I completely get what you mean. Is if they've got that attitude there, what is their attitude like in other aspects? It's com- it's, it's it's very easy to link them together. I think it really does wind me up when they leave stuff out. I mean, for you, Tom, it must be really working in the commercial gym. Oh my must- god, even worse in the commercial gym. Oh my god. But this is the thing. If this was your own kit. Your own, like if you don't, if you don't clean barbells down correctly, like ugh, leaving chalk and everything else and all the other crap that comes up. If you don't clean this stuff down, if this was your kit in your garage and you didn't wipe it down, clean it down, etc., 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 pretty quickly, the ability for that kit 
for to operate is going to be it's going to fall down pretty quick. Like I'm religious with my gym. I'm so honestly, my wife goes in there. I'm like, did you clean the gym? She's like, yes, I cleaned the garage gym for goodness sake. Like everything, treadmill, dumbbells get wiped down. It's, they almost like they're cleaned with these, the, the black shine almost. Like everything's clean and looked after because that, that, that shows that every fair organization's good in other aspects of your life. Don't leave shit just out. But no, I, it, don't I don't get me started. It really brows me up. I feel like you're you're borderline going into the old scale here, Dean. For the sound of your voice, it sounds like <laughs> we're getting very, we're getting very close to we're getting very close to number ten. Bring bring it back an old favourite. The first one for me is like a nine point nine. This is like a nine point eight, nine point seven. Well, we're getting very specific now. What about you, Tom? What, what are you thinking? Um, I'm going to get to the point that this actually goes beyond 10. I'm happy to go back to the old scale. I am going down to the cemetery <laughs> with my shovel. I'm digging Jimmy up. I am bringing him over to this individual's house and I'm laying his corpse on top of the missionary style. You know? And I'm using Jimmy like a puppet. We can make fun of the, de- the dead because he's an awful person. And I'm bouncing Jimmy up and down on top of them going, oh, what dear, what dear, whatever it was he used to fucking say. Oh, yeah. Jim will brilliant. fix it. Jim will yeah. fix it. That's it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about putting your barbells away. Jim will fucking fix it. But yeah, I mean, um, this is awful because I do work oh. in a commercial gym. Um, it's, it's absolutely unforgivable because at the end of the day, for one person leaving a dumbbell on the floor or leaving the barbell in the rack with you know just it's it's a 60 kilo barbell not a big deal until you realize you're in a commercial gym we have the elderly the disabled the frail people that just ain't showing up in general and the thing is now at the end of the day when i work in a commercial gym sometimes i'm the only person on shift i might be taking a class a workshop i might be with someone else so i might not be able to help that person because i've i'm only one person with one pair of hands i can't be everywhere at once and it's just shitty. Join the, it's a 24-7 gym, 24-hour. If it's unstaffed and someone needs help getting these plates off, you know, it's fucking horrendous and it's shit. And I know, like, you guys were Bill, you said, oh, it started off light-hearted. And then, yeah, Dean, you said how you didn't, you didn't want to get philosophical about it. But let me say, this goes a lot deeper than that because this is the downfall of society. This is basically the shopping trolley theories. Have you guys heard the shopping trolley theory, Bill? I'm pretty sure we've mentioned it before. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah Basically, before, yeah. you know, can a society govern itself without law and order? You know, a shopping trolley is the whole, like, it's, it's a proven point that it just cannot work because shopping trolley, once you're done with your shopping trolley, you know, how easy would it be for everyone just to go and put their shopping trolley back in the designated shopping trolley area? It's low effort, doesn't really cost them anything except 20 seconds of their time, and it helps society. It's almost self-governing, but we don't. Well, when I say we don't, you know, I mean, other people don't. I do it all the time. Mm, um, yeah. yeah. But, like, people just... <laughs> uh, it's just mirror images to... It mirror images itself to where people people literally click on Amazon yes. and they can buy now. People can order food to their front door. People can get anything to their front door nowadays. In the fitness industry, that's not how it works. The industry is probably one of the only industries where you can't just buy and collect now. It And it's the same with putting kit away. You don't just press a button, it gets put away for you. That's not... Yeah, you have to, you have to work, do this. And this that's right. But I mean, you know... Uh, most people don't do that with shopping trolleys. They just end up throwing them because they can't be arsed, which makes it harder for everyone else. And that's the exact same thing with putting your equipment away. It costs you. Listen, you've just done, you know, 100 kilo squats, and you'll tell me you can't pick up a 20 kilo plate and just literally re rack it when you're there in the rack itself. 
you know, it costs you nothing and it makes it extremely harder for the next person. So, yeah, I know you were saying I was worried about it going philosophical. I'm telling you now, this is how 1984 happens. This is how a dystopian future approaches. And it's all because that one person calls the butterfly effect because they didn't pick up their fucking dumbbell and put it back. We've bought this on ourselves. Exactly. And there it is. This is how Terminator 6 happens. Whatever one we're on now. <laughs> Pet peeve number three. Well, I need to take a breath for this oh, now. Oh, my God. Ooh, go on, Dean. Can we have four? Yes. Can we have... You do what you want, Dean. This is your this is your show, mate. This this is your episode, so. Oh no, it's not. Don't say that. It's your show. It's, lit- it's, li- it's literally called. This is this episode is going to be called just Dean now. I'm just going to call it. Oh, don't Dean. do that. Nothing I'm else. Not just just person. just Dean. <laughs> nothing nothing else. It's just your oh, name. Bless. Oh my goodness. Okay, so pet peeve number three. Um, I'm going to throw this into probably a military group class setting potentially. Ooh, spicy. Go on. Yeah. So a little bit of a mixture here. So for me. One of my pet peeves is when in a community gym, the coach is explaining what the session is. The coach is describing what the adaptations are we're trying to chase, what the coaching cues might be, and people are talking over the coach oh, or wow, people yeah. are talking Fuck yeah! Um, and having a conversation in their own time, uh, during that time. And for me, that is such a lack of respect. If And... For me, when I was in my parents, I was very fortunate. I had my, my parents brought me up in a really, really, they gave me some great principles to live by and great morals. And one of the things was you pick your shit up after you, always, always. You think for yourself and you do your very best to help elderly, other people, anybody that's vulnerable. And s- simple things like respecting other people when they're talking, like having that mutual respect and l- little things like, Ladies first, always. It's a little thing that's always stuck, like lady, little things like this. So for me, having, just having a bit more respect when a coach is explaining what the adaptations are, what what's happening in that session, and whether that's in a CrossFit community, I don't know, whether that's in a functional fitness community, whether that's in a athlete, an athletic setting, a, a both community, a military community, just have the 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 self-respect and the respect for others to sit back or the self-discipline and respect for others to sit back and just listen to what's being said because that's just that's just ignorance and I know ignorance it's just fucking is rude isn't it oh, it's just rude. rude you're doing it for their benefit as yeah. well so it's just shit um, yeah. just to clarify it's not just military settings I had it at a, uh, one of my boot camps the other morning and it's the first time that I fucking went from friendly Tom to almost like you know Bellowing someone in a civilian gym, uh, and yeah, it's it's really f- disrespectful. It's really frustrating, especially since yeah, as I said, you're actually doing it for their benefit. At the end of the day, you know, you're taking your time out to explain to them why they're doing it. You're, you're not just being one of these dick coaches that are doing monkey see, monkey do. You're taking the time to actually explain to them why. You know why, and it's yeah, extremely disrespectful. I think it's worse in a, in a military setting as well, simply because I know, I know the whole joke of civvies pay thousands for this military, but these people in the military are getting this coaching for free in a, a gym they do not pay for from a coach that is only not getting paid by them 
and they're still having the fucking rudeness to, to treat it like it's a fucking little fun fair session. It's, it's actually it's, it's actually more irritating because civvies do actually pay a lot of money for coaching. Um, yeah. And they get it for free and they're just treating it like a fucking hour out of work, hour from beyond the desk. Tell you just, what, though. No, it's, it's you've got irritating. to have a set of bollocks to do that in front of a PTI. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, mate, especially some of the um, like newer, younger PTIs. I just stand there and very, ask them now. I stand there and say, are you finished? Have you got anything else? Do you want to, in, do you want to take the session? Yeah. Do you want to interject? And I don't care whether that's in a civilian environment or a military environment because it comes back to that question the standard you walk past is the standard you are setting time after time in every other aspect so be respectful not different one of the best things i've heard for that is to actually just very loudly start counting down from five i don't know what it is but it's almost like ingrained from when you're a kid and your parents start counting it's oh, like you suddenly get that fifth <laughs> fuck what's going to happen once it hits one Could you imagine if you just did that yeah whilst making eye contact what's gonna happen after five running burpees fuck well shit. quite often <laughs> we don't get to we don't get to one we just start counting it all goes quiet so we lose count yeah yeah sure um, i think for me that's yeah i'm gonna get i'm gonna go back tom is um is jimmy still out the grave is he haven't put him back of you Oh, I've dug him back. I've barely been back in now. Yeah, he's back on. Yeah, that's that's not a Jimmy dig out the grave type of thing. That's like a that's like an eight point nine. That's Rolf, nine that's Rolf Harris putting his finger in your mouth. Ooh. Fuck's sake, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> this is this ain't PG, no. <laughs> no, I mean quick build. No, we're definitely not PG. Give us your score. Fuck's sake, where's the where's Get the fucking where's the laughing? <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Same face. On my hat. <laughs> That's the uh, credibility laugh. The credibility laugh. Yeah, I can't reached, find my laugh. Zero. My my hammer laugh. No, I can't find so my what hat. What we grading that one as? Come on. What we? I'm grade? saying. I'm saying nine nine and a half there. I'm bored oh, like it's yeah. because it actually it's so irritating. It's so rude, especially in that military environment where I'm, well, obviously I'm still in it. And it just you could just picture it, can't you? Someone taking their time to deliver. Normally being planned the night before. Um, in their own time planning a session decided okay I'm going to teach you a session and then some fucking chopstick in the background just start chatting away about oh, you, you, what are you doing this weekend it's like is this fucking important like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're being paid and you're to, to get to do this session for free and you're getting it for free and you're getting paid you're actually getting paid to be at a session people normally pay for and it just blows your mind how you could be so fucking you should be embracing it you should be getting involved in it like actually fucking really getting, getting yeah. stuck in but it doesn't happen does yeah. it I'm going to, do you know what? I'm going to split this into two. In a military setting, I'm going to give that a nine. That is pretty high up there because it's just a sheer amount of bollocks to do that. Um, but in a civilian setting, I'm going to give it an eight. So it is still pretty high. Just because some in a civilian setting, a lot of people do see classes as like a, a bit of a social gathering as well. Yeah, so, you know. I don't mind that much. The only problem is a lot of them are used to doing things like the steps, legs, bums, tums, and the thing is I run a boot camp. And the very first thing I say to people when they come to the boot camp is it says boot camp when you come in, so you should know what to expect, you know? So, you know, yeah, a little bit easier. I mean, I get Tom, to be a wannabe. I get to I get to be a wannabe PTI. Um, so, guys, if either of you have a spare vest, you know, Send it to me. Um, it won't fit, mind, but yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, oh, cringe. Dean, you said you got. You said you got. Four, you said you got four. Dean, I might even have more. Ooh, four. No, Let, quick fire round here. Another pet peeve is um, people that like take loads of equipment and 
We've had this before. Yeah. We've had this before. Hold yeah. that, yeah. that yeah. eye up there. And then another one for me is, this is a coach one. Coaches, this is probably really high actually, coaches on their phones or not being attentive to the clients oh. that they're teaching. Yeah. No, they're like, that's four and five. Quick fire ones is probably it, but they, that is up there with, that's like a, that's outrageous. That's Jimmy out the great job. I'm holding Jimmy by his shoulders. And there's, but this, there's a difference. There is a stark difference in taking your phone out to video something for progression for that app client. Yeah. On yeah. taking your phone out, answering a message, swiping what right, whatever you're doing, like that's just not acceptable ever. No. Ever. No, no way. You're being paid for an hour of your time to be dedicated solely to that client to deal with whatever they want in that session for an hour. That, they're paying you for that hour of that's your time. That's the best hour of your client's week potentially. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that is fucked up. The bare basics of knowing if you've got a good coach is if they maintain a squat beside you as you're training. I call out my coaching position. I just hold a squat the whole time. Or they take it. Just knee. watching them. The tactical. Oh, oh yeah. Knee. Taking it. And then struggle getting back up. That's me. Because yeah. your knee falls asleep. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, fucking hell. Bonus, <laughs> bonus round. There's five. <laughs> Sorry, this round done. I liked that though. Every single one of those was like high up there, so well worth it, mate. I'm fuming now. Normally we say at this point we'll move on to a more serious note, but they were they were actually quite serious those pet peeves. So um, we'll move on to a made fun of the personal note. I'll say. Oh, good. We, we, well, I would we say desecrated a man's body. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> Jim, Jimmy fucking Savilwine. And Rolf. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rolf fucking. I mean, oh, yeah. both He's of still them going, It's me. <laughs> Barry Moore will be the next one. Oh, God. Nah, some, I ain't got a pole. <laughs> let's let's put them. Let, let's. Excuse the ironic. Let's, Dean, them let's, let's, let's move, move on. on. Right. Oh, dear God. Right. Okay. <laughs> the analogy came out. It was this one. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> quick, Bill, quick. quick. Yeah. Oh, pressing my one. Pressing my one. Oh, pressing my one. It's cheering. Cheering. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, Fuck. Really love it. There we go. Back in. Good. Fuck's oh. sake. I, I cheered the dead. Uh, I was like, is it right? Anyway, <laughs> I butchered that, didn't I? I need to take a course on this fucking system. Right, anyway. Dane. Yes. Let's let's bring this let's bring let's bring this back. So this is your we've obviously had your episodes before where you sort of you, you you're more of like a you, you know you're bringing out the knowledge bombs or whatever topic we're discussing, but now we want to get to know you on a more personal level. So I think the best place to start would really be your initial start into health and fitness. So I know back I don't know if it was before the army, but you're into bodybuilding, weren't you? It was like your initial modality of I don't know if it was your very first one, but I know that was something you were quite into uh, quite a while ago. Was that kind of your first sort of step into it or? Into fitness, no. So my first step into fitness was I I did track and field hmm. as a youngster. Cross country was my thing. Like it was just did a little bit for school and county. Um, I was I was in an environment where sport sport was sort of bred into me. Sport and fitness was bred into me. My dad was a military man. He had served. <sighs> over two and a half, nearly three decades in the forces. So he was he was a physical man. He was a practical person. Um, seeing him as a sergeant major and his 
Adonis-like character, his, his, his respectful figure. Mm. That, and seeing him doing... He, I remember watching him playing squash at like the age of 11 and 11 and 12 years old and just seeing him go... And my dad was an army squash champion. He he represented the... I think he represented his, the, the service. Like he was an incredible squash player. Yeah. And watching him just throw himself around the court, the agility, the speed, the power, the the tenacity to just do everything in his power to get to that ball, that spark, that kind of resonated with me. So that, and I just watched him with this level of detail that a lot of people won't really understand me, I don't think. Um, I then started to watch a lot of fitness, sort of a lot of fitness media stuff and bodybuilding came about later on, but between the ages of about 12 to 18 football and county cross country was was everything but then the cross country died out and football was everything football was the be all and end all of of my life i think with a lot of teenage boys at that age like yeah it's a lot it's a lot exactly people, yeah. i was besotted with i've been always been a chelsea supporter all the way through my through my childhood my dad is an avid chelsea fan my granddad was so watching yeah we got a fan so watching Chelsea for me, just like I was just constantly besotted with with the elite, with athletes, with with the way people moved. And my first experience of coaching was actually when I was doing my leisure in tourism apprenticeship, and we did this in school where we hosted like a massive sports event for for some younger kids. Um, which were all from like a a, a a military community, and this was the first thing where we like I, I was able to I, we coached kids that day. There were hundreds of them, coached kids in lots of little athletic races, and it was that was my first experience of being in charge of a group where you were kind of the go-to person. Yeah, and that sense of achievement and that sense of feeling that I got from that has stayed with me for a long time, and that's probably later on down the line, what's pushed me to become the person I am today in the career that I've been in, just helping other people. So bodybuilding started when I initially joined, joined the, the, my interest in bodybuilding started from about probably the early 2000s for me. Um, the likes of Ronnie Coleman, Phil yeah. Heskiff, Dorian Yates. I watched people like this kind of, Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously the greats, watched these people at the height of their career peak. And, I used to watch hours and hours of just shit on the internet. Dial-up connection. It used to fuck my mum and dad off like no one's business. Like, get off the fucking computer. But for me, watching these individuals transform their body into something that was like a scene out of the 300, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And that's what interested me with kind of shaping my body. So I started to take a liking to aesthetics. I remember my first set of dumbbells, you know, Everyone done the same thing. It was curls, it was presses and kind of experimented with these fundamental patterns either back then, like doing seated single arm presses or Arnold presses and figuring out things for myself, finding out like how my own body moved, not having a fucking clue what I was doing, but just moving. And, yeah, you know, and then you get to the stage where you become a rebellious asshole. And then I did that. I became a rebellious asshole and stopped, stopped doing football stopped doing everything that I wanted to do, started to do drugs, started to hit alcohol, 
started to surround myself with a group of people which luckily enough the small group they're still some of my best friends today but the molded group the bigger group that we've just we drifted apart because they're not my characters i you know there comes a time when smoking weed and snorting cocaine that's like you that shit's done that ship sailed like you there become there comes a time where i saw my friends i saw my friends getting into trouble constantly every time i saw them they looked drained there was nothing in their body they had nothing to give they were just like dead to the world literally dead to the world and they lived for it and i just sat back and i was like what the fuck am i doing like what am i doing i'm i've i had talent I had the ability to play football. I played at a relatively decent level in Germany. And I just, if I had more opportunity in the UK, yeah, maybe things would have been different. I don't dwell on that. But I just let everything that I'd loved just drift away because I, I allowed people to instigate Influence what. you, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they didn't peer pressure me, but you become a teenage boy. You, you feel like you have to be part of that. What's that saying, Dean? Isn't it like you surround, you are who you surround yourself with, aren't you? That's the whole thing, that whole saying. Hundred percent. And these people became, these people became the people that I thought I had to impress and had to mirror image. Mm. And for a long time, that's kind of how I how I lived. I felt I had this FOMO. I had this this innate need to 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 be with this character, these people, because I felt like I was missing out. I wanted to be part of the crowd, and then and. And it wasn't until I matured slightly and I was like, do you know what? I don't, I genuinely do not give a fuck about that anymore. And that's where I fat reef. I then found my love for bodybuilding again. And I explore, I explored, I experimented. I pushed myself into some dark places, like really dark places. I pushed my body on my first deployment when I joined the military. This is where I was exposed, really exposed to athlete conditioning and really becoming somebody bodybuilding was the still everything for me bodybuilding was as soon as i got out of training bodybuilding became everything to me and my first deployment it was everything to me getting onto a stage competing in physique class wanting to be the very best surrounding myself with people that were either on constant cutting or constant bulking phases they were looking to develop lean Lean, they were trying to create this physique and go in. And this is where the finer detail comes in because until you look at your body in a mirror, and this is where bo my body dysmorphia came from, but you look at your body in the mirror and you assess every angle. You look at your quarter turn. You look at your front double by. You look at your lat spread. You look at how you look in the mirror and you ingrain yourself into every fine detail and intricate muscle fiber all the striations and you you just want it to be better and better and better and that's this is where the i think this is where my obsession for detail started because i wanted to be the best i could be and without going on the gear without doing all that other stuff i was never going to be that person i was never going to hit the stage i was never going to get first second call out so because it was just impossible. It was just not going to happen. So I just lived the life of what I thought at the time was health and fitness until obviously you explore and you find other things out. So that was my, that was my birth into this industry. I know you spoke about it before and it does sound quite, um, quite intense. So like you said you did it on your, on your first deployment, was it? Yeah. So bodybuilding for me, I, I really took into it there. Um, just in fact, it was beforehand. I just, obviously I loved it before. Yeah. But I really started to get into it and be more confident 
then how was that though on a, de- on a deployment because obviously you've, you've then got the you've got the you've, you've got the stress of the deployment i was surrounded by i was surrounded by some amazing people i was surrounded by people that as a youngster these were guys that i looked up to because they were part of my dad's regiment so i joined my dad's regiment they were we were a family unit so when i joined the army my dad was my sergeant major then my dad then became my regimental sergeant major so but the good thing in all of this is that my my dad was a really respectful person. He wasn't he wasn't a typical sergeant major that where people hated him. He was the type of person that would go and have a brew with the blokes. He would sit down with them. If 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 he had to, he would he get the fags out, do what he had to do. Do you know what I mean? Like that was the culture. So all of these people that looked up to him were the people that were my were the people I looked up to when I then joined the army and joined the regiment. These guys were like the, every single one of them was like bro- a brother to me because I grew up with them in the mess. I saw them in the mess or I saw them about the bazaars in camp or I saw them in the gym when my dad brought me in to train. Like these people were the people that I automatically inject. I had a really great start in my military career because I was able to be injected into that tribal yeah, nice. community and be part of them because my dad was respected and he didn't. Ev- he only ever wanted to help people much like me. And I, that bled into me and these guys took me under their wing and I became a person. I became became the people I surrounded myself with, like you were saying. So it's deep, I know, but the, the, these people were trained. These people wanted to be athletes. These people wanted to be physically fit. Sort of rubbed off on you then and you, then you wanted to do that. 100%. So you've mentioned the military quite a lot there. Um, if we go forward then, so what, what, just to tell people out there who aren't aware, what part of the military were you in? Because you're in a different part now, but what part were you in initially? So I started my career in the Queen's Royal Azars, which is a regiment I'll always hold dear to me. Um, I'm still in close comms with them. We have groups. I've, I own a Facebook group for all of them. I kind of work around with, with bringing out about mental health and helping with physical activities and stuff. So I still keep a really close tie with the Queen's Royal Azars. Um, and I'm now in the Royal Army Physical Training so let's, Corps. Uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that transition. Because how long were you with the Royal Hussars for? Was that quite a long time? Or so I was with the QRH for eight. So I I was with the QRH for my God nine years, eight nine years nearly. Um, and in that time, I I become a PTI really early on in my career, really early on. So I've been a PTI for like eight, nine years before I transferred into the PT Corps in 2016. So I put you in a good place before you transferred then, didn't it? I mean, a lot of experience. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I was stuck between, I stuck between two roads. I didn't know what career I wanted. I didn't know if it was going to be fitness. Did you, because it sounds like from what I'm hearing, you've, you've obviously look up to your dad massively and you've got a lot of respect for your dad. Was there ever a part of you where you thought, I actually want to follow his footsteps, maybe become the start major, become the RSM of this family unit, as you called it. Is that something that was a lot on your mind? Is that why it took so long maybe to transfer over to Because a lot of people normally do PTI course, get that hunger for it, and then a few years later, they will then do it. Don't normally wait eight, nine years, I would have thought. I don't, maybe, maybe an inch, but I don't, no, I don't think so, mate. Because I joined the regiment and straight away hmm. PTI course, like really soon. So my dad never did that. My dad was... My dad was anything about a tank, gunnery. <laughs> he was through and through, like knew every single... What we call green, very green. Yeah, a school's <laughs> instructor, uh, everything. Like proper, proper, proper good at what he did. And I I didn't... My dad left a legacy in that regiment. I wanted to leave my own legacy. Yeah, got And you. I wanted to be the very best at the time. I wanted to be the very best PTI in, in the unit. 
I wanted to be that. That's that's all. Like I we were doing. I was doing online coaching with people just based on my experience with bodybuilding on Excel spreadsheets and Word documents before it became a sexy thing. So, like helping people even back then, guys used to come and train with me. And we used to have a little community of people that used to train because there were people there that knew what they did. And I was in good shape, you know. I looked I looked pretty good. Yeah, we've seen some old pictures of you, very um yeah. Yeah, I've got some old pictures of me where I was a body like a bodybuilder, like sitting in at about 90 kilos. I was I was quite well I was well rounded. I had a relatively balanced physique. But yeah, I just so starting that process for me, yeah, maybe there was an inch of and uh, maybe a little bit of not wanting to leave the regiment because they meant so much to me. But at the end of the day, I, I, I wanted to leave my own legacy. Yeah. Like I, I do believe in it a little bit, but I wanted to leave my own standpoint. And that's why I sat back on the fence when I got my first post into a training regiment, working with recruits. And, and that was the stage where it's like, now's the time. Now's the time to do what I've always dreamt of doing. I've put it off for such a long time because I wanted to experience as much as I could. I did Iraq. I did Afghanistan with the unit. I did countless number of adventure training, Canada's like so. I experienced everything it was about that battalion and that unit, that regiment, and and that was I loved it. I loved that, and I never left the regiment on a sour grape. I left the regiment wanting to just be a be- be better and do something different. So that was that was everything to me. I mean, one pretty cool thing is you actually deployed with your dad, didn't you? Yeah. So in two thousand and Eight, we deployed to Iraq. Um, I was with my dad. I was part of his. The best way to describe it is, our, we were like the force protection for the hierarchy that were look that were teaching the Iraqi forces about security, about policy, about all this change. Um, and I was my dad's kind of like one of my dad's force protection group. Um, and they did like an article on us. And do you know what? That was an experience I'll never forget. I, there's not many people that can say they deployed with their dad. And he never treated me any differently. My dad was a stern fucker with me. <laughs> like, it, I, I didn't want to see him, mate, because I, I used to have to brace up to him and I didn't like it. I had to man- remove myself from the environment. If you saw him coming over, blokes used to not tell me and my dad used to stand over my shoulder and go, Oi! Oi, Amund! Stand to attention when I'm stood here! And I'm like, sorry, dad. Sorry, sir. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? So it was... I, I, const- I tried to remove myself from that environment. So having the opportunity to work with him in Iraq, I saw a different side to him. I saw a side to him where I watched him teach and deliver. And I was like, this is un- truly remarkable, remarkable man. Yeah. And I watched him teach and deliver to the Iraqi forces. I watched how he was around other people. And I wanted to, I wanted to be that person. So that's what I have become today. I've become a, I've become a streamline of what my dad was, but in my own way. And I think everybody's like that, aren't they? But working with him in Iraq was an incredible experience, and yeah, it was it was challenging. It was cha- it was the same time. So my dad, my dad left Iraq early because my mum had got she's no longer with us. T- bless her, you know, up in the sky now. But she had got breast cancer in in two thousand and eight. It was her second time she had got it. So my dad had to go back home, and I was left out there for the last couple of months where we were essentially part of the group that were ripping everything from Iraq back to Kuwait. We were the force protection for the the ridiculous line of vehicles that was going back from Iraq to Kuwait. Um, and hmm. that was a challenge, mate. That was a real challenge because 
somebody who was my safety net wasn't there anymore. But I had, I had, and it's really weird on tour, really weird on tour. Because when you're in that environment, in an operational setting, where you've got your dad, imagine what my mum must have been going through. I I, I don't even know how I put that on her. But when, when, at moments when I needed to have my dad to speak to, he was there. So, and this is why I think I'm in such a strong mental state because I had that. I had that access to me and it never, it never, I never suffered or it never bothered me. So having him there to talk to me. So when he left, I was, I, I didn't have that outlet. I had the, I had the boys, like we were a good solid group, but there was just that next level. Do you know what I mean? Where sometimes maybe you wouldn't share what you'd share, but with my old man, he just knew me. He read me like a book. He was like, oi, let's go and have a cup of tea. And I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. And then we'd go and have a fag. And then, you know, we'd have a fag and a cup of tea and we'd be talking and he'd be like, look, don't bottle it up. You need to talk, you know, all this. Like, so it wasn't, he was always asking me if I was right. Always a loving father. So I had a great role model. Great role model. I mean, yeah, that is pretty powerful, isn't it? It is incredible. I mean, uh, with your with your previous unit, so Queen's Royal uh, Hussars, it was an armoured unit. Yeah, that's right. So one thing I do have to ask you, Dean, is have you ever done a pull-up on a tanked turret? Yes. Of course you have. Of course you have. It almost seems like you you, you have to. Yeah. There's, listen, when you're out in Canada and you're in the middle of a prairie and it's main day and you're doing some training, that's what you do. The boys set up. We The turret gets turned 90 degrees, so it's overhanging. The blokes, that's where the bivy gets put as well, hangs off of there. We just, pff, listen, pull-ups. We do push-ups. It, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like a weird A-team style, <laughs> like... Where's the oil? Um, <laughs> have you ever deadlifted a tank? Uh, no. Excuse me? Um, okay. I've deadlifted some track wheels. They're quite fucking heavy. But no, never deadlifted a tank. Yeah. I mean, that's 90 tonnes, mate, when it's fully loaded. I don't think I've got that in the tank, mate. Uh, have you ever done pull-ups on a tank turret whilst it's been fired? <laughs> no. I don't think anybody... That would be fucking mental. I'd love to see I that. I mean, it would be pretty... <laughs> I'm just trying to think of really obscure things now. Is there a tank? <laughs> Cooked an egg on the surface of a tank because it's that hot. Oh, wow. that, that hot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's not the go to. I, I didn't, I tr- I, we didn't eat it because that's just. Minging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I de- yeah. depleted uranium. Of course, I don't want people you know. to think that we ate legs. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> you won't uh, see that in the sun. Cooked some spam as well on the tank. That was quite funny. <laughs> Fucking we hell. tried that. That did not Fucking go down well. Gordon Ramsay in Iraq. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Dave, if we fast forward a bit to obviously you're now you're now in the obviously the RAPTC Royal Army Physical Training Corps. So, was your dad still in when you transferred over, or did he was he left at that? I think my dad left whilst I was. I think he left in twenty. I'm going to say 2014, 2015. So, when I had started my transfer process to the corps, yes, it was he. he and I remember him saying something to me when I was going through my transfer process and he said to me, you need to do what's right for you. Cause I constantly asked him, I was like, what do I need to do? And he, do you know what? He never forced his opinion on me. He was like, you need to do what's right for you. What do you truly, truly believe is your path? What's your goal? What's your journey? What do you want to, what do you see yourself doing for the rest of your life? So that week 
I got, it sounds really fucking cheesy, but whatever. So that week I got hold of a cat badge from, um, for the PT call, Crosswords in Crown. So I got hold of a cat badge and I stuck that on like a visions board that I had. Um, and that became the goal. The goal at Harrogate was to transfer over to the PT call and be the very best. But I didn't want to do that without experiencing Harrogate. So I put it at, put it off to the last opportune moment um, so I could experience what it was like at a training regiment as an AT instructor and as in a mainstream PTI. Um, I'd like to think I was a bit different. I'd like to think I was a different coach. I looked at things a little bit differently to other people. Um, I loved the AT environment to a degree. I hated, I hate it now, but I loved it at the time to a degree because I was able to really coach people, six people at a time, young, young recruits that 16 years old didn't have a fucking Scooby, but I was able to influence them and really make a change in how, and we had, we had some crazy conversations and that became my pin board. That became, that became my vision to join the PT Corps. And I think every single day, the reason I left, I left it till last minute because I wanted to explore it, but all equally, there was no other option for me. I was not going to, there was no other option. I did not want to move my family back to Germany. Um, and I did not want to become, as, as much as I love it, but I didn't want to become a troop sergeant. I didn't want to then become a a CQMS or a schools instructor and then become a warrant officer within the regiment. I just did, I just, as much as I love the regiment, that you. just didn't tickle my butt. It didn't tickle my fancy. It didn't hit my, hit the, hit the numbers for me. But what did was it, it, embedding strength and conditioning even more, becoming an even better coach and living the passion that I had had all the way from a young boy watching my dad playing squash, watching elite football players, watching my friends, watching athletes time and time again, watching bodybuilders and being a trainer at that time all the way through those years. And then obviously you adapt and evolve as a trainer. So all those years of, of progression, I was like, now's the time to do it. So I did it once. Um, I set a goal uh, to go on selection in September 20, 2015, I think it was. Um, which was the, towards the end of my posting time at Harrogate. I had like a bit longer to go, but September 15th, set the goal. Um, and that was when I was going to go. So did all the prep work for that. Um, spent a year, spent a year preparing. Uh, and that was a year of revising every night. I remember reading, I remember reading the essentials of strength and conditioning. I remember watching hours and hours of gymnastic tutorials on handstands. I remember, and I, I literally, I used to pause the frame and take, I used to pause the frame and then send it at these, cause you could do this now, couldn't you send it to email, print it off and have like each of the body positions that I needed to hit for the gymnastics in a book. And I used to look at them and memorize how I should look and how it should feel when I did the like handstand forward roll, jump, half turn, backwards roll to that detail. I remembered, I, I visualized all of the instructions or all of the questions that were asked in the question set for the interview. But what I didn't do is I didn't, I, I tried to like make bullet points of all the answer. I remember that I've still got the crib cards, like literally hundreds and hundreds of crib cards to remind and revise myself, all color coded, meticulous in their detail. And there was blue ones, yellow ones, green ones, red ones, and each one related to the certain element of selection that it was. So we had the interview, we had the verbal brief, we had the gym, handstand forward roll, gymnastic stuff. We had, um, uh, what was it? What else did we have? 
we had the English literature English literature exam. We had another exam, key skills, some other stuff. So all of it was linked to something. And I remember writing down all the bullet points that I needed for each specific phase. And the interview was it was there was just no stone unturned. The folder that I had, I had taken some bits from other people and just made this thing my own and it became like the best book of me of what I wanted to achieve Bible what it sounds like I can know it was yeah it was just it it had tabs in it it had flags in it like even my books now on my desk like I'll show you my essentials has got little tacks and tabs I don't even see all the tacks and tacks like I do it to this day as well it's I remember just it just yeah and it just like failing wasn't an option yeah getting selected was the only outcome. And because it meant that me and my wife and my kids could get down south, we could get back in, we could, we could be around like the Aldershot, Guildford, Farnborough area. I'd been born in Farm, Farnborough in Frimley Green. So it meant getting back down to this location, uh, getting getting to here. Yeah. I wasn't failing. I did not allow myself to fail. And that to some people might sound really arrogant, but to me, I did everything in you my You did power. pass right then. You, you didn't fail, did you? You did pass. Passed. First time. So I say, this is where you go, I failed the first time. But I did it right the second time. <laughs> yeah, and I did really well. Did really yeah. well on selection. Oh, it sounds like it. All that prep, though. Fucking hell, I'd be surprised. Yeah, it, like, I, I did. But the preparation is, is, is the key. The preparation. Of course, yeah. But that, that was just a chapter in my journey. That wasn't the goal. The goal then evolved, and I then looked beyond that. It was, it was it, you know, being selected was probably up there with one of the top five experiences I've ever had in my life. Hmm. The feeling afterwards. And What's number one, Dean? Your uh, your first appearance in the podcast, was it? Is that... <laughs> That's up there. That's definitely Has that made the list, is it? 100%. But there's so much self-induced pressure when you do selection. PT Not course selection. Yeah. Sorry. PT course selection. Let's refer to it as it is. PT course selection. There's so much self-induced pressure when you go through the process. Uh, hmm. and it is a physically taxing week you know the two day you, they don't do it anymore but they used to do a two day endurance event which was the old OFT6 which was basically 12 miles carrying 30 kilos at three and a half hours day one and then day two was another 12 miles carrying 25 kilos at two and a half hours so like it it was so much self-induced pressure like and it, I, I even fucked that up. I'm not afraid to admit I fucked it up. I wore new boots. I put. I didn't take my feet up properly. I was in shit state. I'd smashed my knee on the um, on some of the RMTs that we had done casualty drag. Somebody picked me up and their rifle smashed into my knee. It. I was limping for two days. I was. I was in floods of tears because I had so much self-induced pressure on me. I called my dad. I was like, "You said you didn't want to fail." I mean, you said failure wasn't an option. But failure wasn't not an option, option mate. Yeah. And I was in fucking tears. I was in. I remember being in the room to my wife, and I was like, "It's. I've end. I fucked it. I fucked it. I've literally ruined everything." And it wasn't until I spoke to my dad. And he was like, "No, mate, you haven't fucked it. Have they told you you're off the course? No, they haven't. Have they t- take it day by day by day by day? And that's exactly the re- the, the the information I give to people now. And I was really lucky." Um, one of the selecting officers kind of was like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, I think so. I think I'm good. And I put so much mental pressure on myself to pass that, yeah, it, it, it meant everything. It really did. It really, really did. And obviously you're now in the uh, you're now in the PT Corps. How, how long have you been in the PT Corps now? So what would that have been? That would have been six years now. So I select, was selected our first attempt, first time through September 
2015. Started course in, I think we moved down here in March, me and my wife, in March of 16. Course started then. Um, badged in, past selection and badged in in 2016 December. Had an amazing Christmas. Really, really. In fact, no, I didn't. I lie. I fucking lie. Halfway through the course, the trigger warning for anybody listening, but halfway through the course, this is, there were so many roadblocks, mate. And I just want people to take a message here. My mum died on the 16th of July, 2016. Smack bang in the center of my probationist course on my intermediate term, which is the busiest term on the course. It's where your appointments are set. It's where your physical be- your physical tests are. There's lots of other elements, management stuff. There's so many different, it's firing at you for 10 weeks. It's constant input. And my mum died, God rest her soul. And I took it hard. I did take it hard. But the day after it happened, or the couple of days after it happened, I needed to be the person that my brother, my dad was in. I, I this This man, think about the man that I've been telling you about. This man was not the man that I knew. This man was a man that was broken. Everything in his life had come crashing down. Everything that 35 years with this woman, everything, the, the woman that was everything to him, everything to him was no longer. And she had suffered a, she'd suffered a really bad heart attack with the medication she was on. She was going through breast cancer. So she was, it was a completely unexpected death. With, with, with death, you can kind of, you can kind of, when you think it's going to happen, you can come to terms with it gradually. So my mum just had breast cancer. She was going through remission again. And it triggered me for everything. The guys I'd lost, friends from tour, the people that I'd been surrounded by, the one, it triggered everything for me. And I never, ever say, when I go back to telling you, I meant, I feel mentally strong. I do feel mentally strong. And that's why I'm able to talk about it because my mum was like, my mum was like everything to me. So when I went on a week after she had passed away, I went back onto course. Within five days, I was back on course. Two days, I was on the phone to my probationers course instructor on the journey down from here to where my mum and dad lived in Stowmarket on the day that my mum passed away, telling my instructor, I'll send you all of the information I've got over from my IPs because another guy was going to deliver to the, he was, we, we, we had a major generals, we were going to do a major generals garden party. It's like a potted sports game for the major general for an evening mm. barbecue. So there were loads of dignitaries going and I was the guy that was taking the IP. Really inform, in, really formal event. So I said to, I'll, I'll send everything over. Um, I had an AFT that I was taking an IP for. I'll send it all over. I've done the lesson plan. Let me finish it off. I'll send it all over to you. That was the type of person I was. And he was just like, look, I don't want to hear from you for the next week. Go and be with your family. Don't, respond to anything just go and do what you need to do and i remember phoning and i'll say his name because he means a lot to me i remember phoning nick santa nicholas santangeli and i said to him bro i'm so sorry that and he was like mate what are you apologizing for man listen bro we love you do what you need to do we're here for you um and i sped up there my wife and kids came back down and the guys dropped off some flowers and stuff to my wife and she told me, and I fucking broke down, man. Like, I was like, I get I get choked up now fucking thinking about it. And I'm a mentally strong person. It was difficult to deal with, man. Like, really difficult to deal with. Five days after she had passed away, I had I'd phoned up my instructor, phoned up the boys. I was like, 
I'm going to come back to work. I'm going to come back on course. So I walked back through the gate, went back into the changing room and I sat down in the changing room with the blokes. And it, it for me, being around a community of blokes that for something that meant so much to me, and this is maybe why people will bit, maybe understand me a bit more now. Yeah. Like I'm so passionate and so, so I'm such an in your face type of person. I, I, I agree that brevity is key, but the reason I love being the person I am is because everything, this means so much to me more than anybody else would ever understand to have your mum die in, and the mum, your mum die in the middle of your fucking probationist course is a tough pill to swallow to then come back after five days and go through it. I will quite happily tell people hand on heart that I'm a fucking strong bastard. I am a mentally strong, physically strong character and I will do everything in my power to provide for my wife and two kids that mean everything to me. So I went back in and I just wanted to show, I wanted to do, I wanted to do my mum and dad proud, but I wanted to do my mum proud more than anything. So the course finished in December 16. And I remember on the passing off parade, um, they do this ceremony where you go out and get a badge and they stamp it on your chest. And they called my name. I walked out. I caught out of the corner of my eye, the whole row of my family that was there, my auntie, my uncle, my dad, my brother, my nan. It, there was just loads of people there. My wife as well, my kids. And my dad in the corner of my eye, I caught him. And he was in fucking floods of tears, floods of tears. And I'd walked round, slammed my foot back in, stood to attention. And I stood at attention for like maybe 10, 15 seconds. I was like, Whew. and I caught him. And that was me. I was gone. So I stood there at ease, tears streaming down my face. And maybe to, and this is a little fucking word of advice for people. Never judge a book by its cover because you don't know, you don't know the detail. You don't know what people have been through and that's why I'll never judge anybody by their cover. I'll always take people as face value and then get to know them. And at that moment, there was probably 150 people in the audience, maybe more, maybe in fact, probably a lot more, Bill. You've done the pass-off parade. Yeah, yeah. Plus all the people that are around me, seeing a newly badged core guy crying, thinking, fuck me, what, what's this guy doing? But I challenge you to listen to that story yeah. and then maybe you'll understand why it meant so much. Understand, yeah. Why it meant that so journey. much to me. To, exactly. And this is why the journey is everything because everything I'd worked towards, I've got such a special bond with the people that were on my course, um, certain individuals, because they were there for me when, when the person I normally go to, my mum wasn't, and they became everything to me. Um, it, it just, this is why the PT core, this is why everything that I do comes with so much passion and vigor mm. because every single day I'm reminded of my mum. I've got a signet ring with her ashes embedded into a diamond and that sits on my desk. And every morning I wake up, I see that. And every morning I'm reminded of the stoic mindset that I have, that my mum was everything. My mum was everything about that. So this journey about the person I am today, the coach I am, the athlete I want to be, the the journey that I'm been in on, that I'm going on as a coach continuously, developing people, selfless. Selfless is a word that people describe me, but I don't describe myself as selfless. I just somebody, I just give a shit. That's it. I give a shit about other people, and this is where this phrase mudita resonates so much with me. 
And I'm so, yes, I might be philosophical, but I'm equally science-based. I'm equally practical. I'm equally empathetic. I'm equally caring. I'm, I just, and this is why I, I was always, yeah, do you know what? I, I've always been worried about jumping forward, but ever since that day in July, things changed. Like things have changed massively for me. And in the past seven years, I've become a person that you would have not have known go back 20 years to the times when I was smoking weed and doing God knows whatever other shit in a fucking, in the woods or in a bus stop, wherever else, like, or the same type of person that was joining the army as a snotty nosed little twat on the tanks, being a dickhead. Like now, and this is, this is me. This is who I am. And I'm not afraid. People were afraid to show their vulnerability. I think if people ask, when somebody reads my eulogy statement on the day that I leave this earth and I go up to the pearly gates and meet my mum and I, some people might want to believe in that. Some people don't, but that's a story that I like to keep in my head that she's up there having a pint or having a cup of tea with my granddad. So when I go up to them pearly gates, I want my eulogy statement to for, for people to read that. And I don't want anyone to say Dean was this, 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 and this, but I don't want anyone to say, but mm. so I always go out of my way so that my eulogy statement in my head, I want people to sit back and go, he would do anything for anybody. He was truly a loving husband. You know, I might not be the best husband at times. I might not be the best father at times, but I'm trying. Everyone's trying. And this is why I set up the Catalyst Project as my online business, because the army's everything to me, but it's not going to be there forever. And I want something that I can give back to other people, but I also want to give back to my family. And yeah, this is why... This is why I truly pride myself on being a fucking good coach and people that care and the pillars that I've created, the the, the values I live by. And that's why I only work with certain people. If you if there's certain people that don't resonate with me, I just won't work with them because I want people that are like me, my dad, my mum, the community I've been around, the people I've lived with. So, yeah, I know that's been a bit deep. I'm really sorry about that. But that no, I love that. It's, it's going to resonate with a lot of people out there. Yeah, it's creating a legacy that will, you know, echo through time at the end of the day. Uh, particularly, I quite like what you said about, you know, admitting to vulnerabilities, etc. You know, there's nothing wrong with admit. With men in particular, we do tend to kind of hide our vulnerabilities, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not always beneficial. I mean, at the end of the day, by revealing our vulnerabilities, it shows what we have, you know, what has actually made us stronger at the end of the day. You know, at the end of the day, courage is not the absence of fear. No, in regards, to, Yeah, exactly. And in regards to, you know, with mental health, you know, men's spirituality, etc. you know, it's not everyone has it easy. Obviously, some have it a lot worse than others, but, you know, hiding your vulnerabilities, pretending that you haven't got any vulnerabilities, at the end of the day, admitting your vulnerabilities just shows you of the hurdles you've come across at the end of the day, to build you into a better person. My vulnerabilities are the person. And this is why when I was really struggling with how do you introduce yourself on this? Because being a coach, being a father, being a husband, they that, that doesn't define who I am. Who I am is the core values that I live by. The, the love, the care, the attention, the empathy, 
the passion, the drive. Like that's who I am. That's the person that I am. So I was really struggling when when you Bill asked me to come and do this. I was like, how do you introduce yourself without sounding like an absolute fucking fool and like you're an arrogant ass? Because I'm not I'm not an arrogant bastard at all. I'm just confident because I've been through so much shit. And I know people have had it harder than me. I know people have had a lot harder than me. But for me, my journey is personal to me and I know I've been through a struggle. 100%. And people won't know what's going on up here. And I want to show people that even somebody who is a middle-aged man with a receding hairline and a fucking moustache can stand in front of somebody, in front of 400 people in a battalion and tell them about my vulnerable story just in the hope that these young these youngsters can explore for themselves because and this is what this is what everything is about with the catalyst project this is everything this is why being optimal in your health and wellness is not just about physical it's not just about the strength you have it's not just about the movement you have it's about the mindset that comes with it performance is a bracket and in there, we've got all of these small models that come into play, which is why I don't just want to go down one stream. I want to be able to provide as much as I possibly can for the people mm. I work with. You've mentioned a couple of things there, Dean. Um, obviously, the Catalyst Project and obviously the Army is not as not an everlasting thing. So we've done we've done obviously a lot of, a lot of reflection there, which I really appreciate mm. you opening up about. As you no, know, thank you for the space, mate. We'll share this stuff with you. It's, yeah, it's, it was yeah. A lot. I think it's definitely going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, it's it's, def- it's definitely important it's, it's, it's nice to hear things like that people opening up you know and hearing their journey because all our journeys are different um and it's nice to you know to, to to be able to experience other people's journeys in some sort of way and obviously in this medium anyway um but anyway as i said you mentioned the catalyst project you mentioned the sort of army so what i want to know now is if we've, we've looked back what about going forward now i know you've just moved to a new regiment in the army is what what's your sort of long-term goals for the pt corps you're gonna sort of do a full career or because i know obviously you've got the the outside stuff i mean so, I don't throw, I lie. When I go at something, I do throw my, all of my eggs into one basket. I go full in. So when I joined the PT Corps, the PT Corps was everything to me. So I did everything in my power just to be the, just to be a, the, a good person, the best coach I could be to anybody that I came across. I just wanted to impact as many people. Bill, you were down there on your, on your course and you saw what I was yeah, like. I just there, yeah. wanted to be, I was passionate about what I did, but equally, I suppose in a way, I did care a little bit about what people thought of me. But deep down, I was like, well, no, maybe I, I just want to create impact. I just want to help people be what they want to be and start the journey that I had been on as well. So the PT Corps, I'm not going to say that the PT Corps, I'm, I'm going to be in the RAPTC until, who knows? I, I don't want to say for definite that I'm going to be in the PT Corps for 22 years or for the remainder of my career. I'm due out in 2030, I think, 2031. So I've got nine eight, nine years left. Um, In that time, I have absolutely no doubt that I can make it as far as I want to make it. In my head, if I want to, I had a goal when I first joined the PT Corps that I wanted to be the course art major or I wanted to be the SMI at Sandhurst because those two jobs just, they were just incredible jobs that sort of stuck out of me. But I'm equally on the side of, I've got my online business as well. So if, and, and that's, doing really well and that's doing really well because I threw all my eggs into that basket and I'm, I'm I make it work I make it the best that I can be and people people don't see the hours that goes into it 
people do honestly don't see it. I come home five, six o'clock of an evening. I leave the house at half. I wake up at half five, leave at six every morning. Training winds are in the morning. Come home. I see my kids for an hour or two, spend some time with them with a wife. I'll then maybe go and do training. And I'm sat here for four hours, five hours every night, focusing on check-ins and training and, and programming and making adjustments for people because, and, but, and that's why I only work with so many people, but, and that's why I charge. Yeah, Cause you, cause you can, there's only so hours in the day, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I wish there was more, but that's why I charge what I charge and the people I work with because we get results. We, we, we get results for performance. You know, I don't do transformations, but equally in who knows what happens in three years time, Bill, or who knows what happens in five years time. If in five years time, all I can tell you is that the future for me is over in America with my wife and kids because okay, my wife is American. To, I was going to come on to this because I remember our ball finals a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this conversation, about it. it was me, you and Andy had a conversation yeah. uh, and you mentioned to us about the perfor- a performance center in the States. Correct. And I wanted to, I wanted exactly. to know, is that Correct. still your, is that still there? Is it still your goal? Yep. Yeah. Still, that sounds really awesome. It's still my goal. The performance center or the performance community is still mm-hmm. very much embedded into my head. And it's taking what we spoke about, Tom and Bill, what we spoke about at the start of this, where it's, taking it's taking the, ath- the the attributes of physical therapy strength and conditioning uh, mindfulness well-being nutrition all of this and, and creating a center where people can thrive and be their own their own athlete in their own right that's the key be their own athlete in their own right in any realm of physical being that they want to be so yes, that is, that's the goal. So my second career is going to be that. And I will do what I need to do to do that. And this at the moment is me just laying the ground. This goes, this starts back from 2008, nine, when I was a reps qualified PT and I did Excel spreadsheets and Word documents and we video check in over Skype. And I had no right to call myself a coach then. I did not call myself a coach. I still don't feel like I'd have the right to call myself a coach. I've got the accreditation for it. I've done coaching accreditation, teaching accreditation. I've got plenty of cool, but I just still don't. I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just somebody who's a fitness trainer who can get you really fit, but do it for the rest of your life. But yeah, it's almost that. like a imposter syndrome. Yeah, you know? I do get, I, and I get I that a lot. That. I you know, do get imposter yeah. syndrome, and it's a weird thing, isn't it? But I'm reminded on a daily basis. Yeah, there's, there's people that are a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but this is what I'm saying. So I'm reminded on a daily basis that I'm I'm good at what I do. I, I, f- I am good at what I do. And I feel like I'm good at what I do. Not in an arrogant setting, but because I've invested 15 years of my life of, of learning, experimenting, reading, researching to be who I am today. And I'm just going to carry that 15 years of coaching experience into the realm or 14, 13, 14 years of coaching experience into the realm of the civilian circuit and do that in the States with my wife, where my wife can live the life that she wants to live and I can live the life that I want to live. And Very selfless. What's that word again? What's that word you said? Mudita. 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 That's exactly what it sounds like we just said there. And a pack of pork scratchings. Mudita and and stoicism are two things that resonate massively with me. All from about 2016, it all started for me. I mean, you've got like a you've got the right mindset and you've got the right experience as well. I mean, something that I, I think I've mentioned on a previous podcast is one of the benefits of being a military PTI is that 
you get to coach a whole range of different people with different abilities. You know, if you when personal trainers just start out, they're lucky to just work with they're lucky just to work with three people a week. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they, it's hard to get the experience. But you've trained people like platoons, sections, you know, whole ranges of people. So when you've got that experience, but also your your approach to it as well. We spoke about critical thinking. Um, Dean, I know me and you have had loads of back and forth discussions through text, through voice messages, through things like Clubhouse, even on the podcast as well. So, you know, we, we, we know your your approach to training as well and your mindset. And like, yeah, just the critical thinking in general as well. So, yeah, I mean, look at this project. Yeah, it's going in the right direction with you heading it. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, um, it's everything to me, and it will be. It will be for the foreseeable future, and it's not going anywhere. I want it to grow. I want it to expand, and yeah, I hope it does, man. I really, really do hope. I, I, I know it will. I won't. I won't allow it to fail. And you know, like you said, we've had impact on thousands of people. I, I sit back the other week, and even at the PT school when I was there, just alone for those three years, I. I think I did nine, uh, 11 courses, 10 or 11 courses, 10 or 11 courses. That That's over a thousand people that were qualified yeah. as personal trainers and coaches. <laughs> there you go. Like, crazy. That, that, it? And that's just in those three years, the impact in the years from beforehand, the client. Like, you're absolutely right. That you, being the role that we're in, we're very blessed because we get to work with such a huge audience. Young people, middle aged people. Older people's work, because there are still some old farts knocking about in military. Um, but I mean, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, Dean Hammond in America is definitely something I can see. I'd love to I see mean, that. I can, yeah. I can understand why we're growing the tash, you know, <laughs> you know, Aviators, they do love a tash, tash everything, yeah. aviators, big pickup truck, yeah. <laughs> um. You I've know, got uh, it, Ford F50s, get it. Handing an Uzi out the window, yeah. it's on your way to performance centre, maybe a pair of, like you see those truck nuts you can yeah. get. It's like a pair of glowing testicles you can have on the back of your truck. Yeah. Me wearing my big rubber yeah. jack shirt. Yeah, we're on it. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. We'll have to fly oh, over yeah. Dean, do a live podcast, mate. You're in. Live for the performance. Always then, welcome. Always welcome. That'd be really good. That'd be, that'd be a great trip. That chat should get fit on the road. That's it. Go to Dee's performance set there in America. Yeah, I like that's it. it. Do um, it. Crash the car on the first Do day. It. Do it. Absolutely. On the road. <laughs> or the road. Yeah, road trip. Chat shit. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> like it. Brilliant. Um, So, um, Dave, before we move on to some of our secret questions, which you've probably been petrified about, I want to mention one more thing you go forward. I spoke to you a little while ago about one of your sort of next goals, and I want to, I want to know sort of where you're at and how this is going. Weightlifting. So I know you've just you've started work with a really good coach at weightlifting. You've got a big goal from what you spoke to me about. Do you want to just tell people what's going on with that and how that how that's going? Because it's very exciting. Yeah, I mean... And no, your passion as well, bloody, I can see you doing really it's well. It's exciting, yeah. I mean, it, to some people, it's really exciting. For me, I... I'm actually not bothered about the goal because I'm loving. I'm actually loving the journey. I'm loving exploring what my body's capable of, um, and doing things that maybe I wish I'd started a long, long time ago when I was a lot younger. A lot younger because who knows where I could be. But I've been doing weightlifting for since 20, 2014, 15 Now um, I was first introduced to it through a guy called Ed Holstead, um, and got level two qualified as a coach. So started coaching quite early on just to get really started to go to a weightlifting club and start learning the ropes. 
got a really nasty injury, um, wrist and shoulder, and I think a collarbone was like lodged out slightly. So yeah, a bit of a nasty injury, but it is what it is. And now um, I'm I'm taken to the realms of the Masters community to hopefully compete in the World Masters Games in Tokyo and compete in weightlifting and potentially sprinting. That's the goal. Like that's one of my goals is to compete in the World Masters Games. Um, I'm 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 not. I'm not going there to win, and and I'm I can accept that. Like, and I have got a very winning-driven mentality, but I'm not going there to win. I'm going there because it's a life experience I'm never ever going to get ever again. And I'm in my prime. I'm lifting well. I'm doing. It's a journey, Dean, isn't it? Exactly. It's part of your life journey. Something you can look back on and be like, "This is a part of my journey," and I loved every second. And that journey, the final destination, isn't over. Like the Tokyo bit's not the finish. Yeah. Like. It's, exactly. It's the sessions in the gym. It's the two hours I'm spending every single day lifting and with the little people that are around me, the pockets of the army weightlifting team and the culture in the environment. But equally with sprinting, it's people don't see the the morning sessions where we're doing speed, um, A drill, B drill work, sprint work. People aren't seeing that in the background because it. Mm. I, I don't publicise it all that much. In the, I'm fucking quite tired in the morning, to be fair, but... People don't see all of that. I do put a little bit of weightlifting on there because it seems to people seem to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the goal. The goal is yeah, the goal is to go there and, and I want to continue competing into my into my forties and fifties. And I do want to. I want to be. I want to still be the oldest boy on a circuit weightlifting when I get to seventy eight years old. Limp onto the platform in some sandals and socks. I I still want to be the type of person that can snatch and clean and jerk. Better than Dan John can. Mm. I stick like, and he's like he's 60, 70 years old now, and he's still weightlifting. I love it. Like my goal is to my goal is to surpass that. I I still want to, I still want to be able to do a sprint start from the bottom of my street and beat both my kids at eighty five. There's no reason why you can't do that. There's no reason. The only reason that will stop me doing that is the choices I make from here all the way up. Yeah. So, you know. We spoke about this before in the uh, the age episode about getting up the myth of getting old yeah. uh, as an excuse. Yeah. And it's, as you said, it's about the, the actions you take as you go. If you decide to knock on that and you get to forty and decide to do nothing at all, then yeah, your body's going to turn into a lump of fucking salami in it. But uh, I mean, you know I, mean, I, mean I can't imagine you slowing down. Dave. I don't want to slow down. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it's like with everything, isn't it? Like I think these health related issues. A lot of people, a lot of people that are dying early or young, they that's. Unfortunately, that's because of the life choices that you've made. Some things can't be helped, but... Harsh reality, isn't it? It is. And it, it's reminded, it goes back to that reminder of my mum. My mum died and she was healthy. Like, okay, she used to smoke a little bit and she yeah. gave that up and then she did it again. Like, yes, on and off. But we found smoking wasn't the cause of her breast cancer. She died because it was just a freak thing that had to happen to her. It was one of those things that and we can't dwell on that. So... I will do everything. I will do everything I can. Yes, of course, I still enjoy calorie-dense food. I still love a couple of beers because that's living and I'm not going to let them experiences go. Enjoy the journey. You know what I mean? Enjoy the journey. 80% of my choices are going to be geared towards me sprinting down the road against my kids. I can't wait to see that. (laughs) Mate, I'm telling you, 85, we'll we'll be best buds, mate. I'll send you a video of me sitting on a porch having a... Having an old farts fucking somewhere in the states. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you. <laughs> I'm going to do them, all of them. I'm going to beat them. Uh, I mean, I'll be, I'll be surprised if I make it to forty at this rate. So you know, just keep me in mind. But we'll see. <laughs> keep, keep me in mind. <laughs> Always. Actually, that sounds really fucking dark. What I'm trying to hint at is I, I upset quite a few people. 
No one's listen. No one's coming for you, mate. No one's coming <laughs> for you. Just stop. No. You well, actually, to be fair, if you stop, you need to stop with the conspiracy theories first. I think that might help because <laughs> one of these days the government's going to click on the government is going to come for me. Yeah, yeah, they'll find you. You'll come. You'll, you'll find my body just with a couple of feathers <laughs> around. <laughs> you know, I'll bury you next, next to Jimmy and Barry. Yeah. Make sure you bury me on top of him, not you know underneath him. Maybe you can have a Jimmy Barry sandwich. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to say that actually. <laughs> Had a minute. Barry's oh, still alive. Quick, Bill. Barry hasn't uh, been uh, near a swimming pool since quick, wherever quick. it was. <laughs> Where I just avoid the swimming pools. Quick, Bill. Quick, move I can't on. Can't my hat. Oh, what the fuck Head is that? Ball. There you go. That goes for the tension, didn't it? There we go. That's a, a smooth transition away from um, the obvious. Anyway, Dean, we'll um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll finish with one last bit now. So this is it's supposed to be a secret question, but me and Tom had a little discussion off air. This is more of an intervention. What we want to talk about is. Um, you're a very busy man. Yes, and you've got you've got a lot on your plate. So what we want to know is is how have you got the time for Clubhouse? The the amount of times I get a notification on my phone saying Coach Dean Hammond has gone into this Clubhouse room. Coach Dean Hammond has oh, gone into this. Yeah. Club- Coach Dean Hammond is talking to these people. I about swear the topic. to God, I was expecting whilst we was on this podcast, I was yeah. half expecting a notification to come up to see <laughs> yeah. Dean talking He's on Clubhouse. Like- He's got his phone in front of him at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Double so, shifting. Uh-huh. Do we do we need to confiscate your phone, Dean? Do we need to take it away? Quite maybe uninstall Clubhouse. Quite possibly. One of. One of the bad habits that I do have is this unrelenting desire to please other people. And sometimes I do that at the detriment to, not to my own health, but sometimes I do that at a detriment to other things. And I, I have, I've got a schedule where I will chime in on Clubhouse to support the team that, that speak, the fitness professionals that speak on there. Um, and I kind of use it as like a radio whilst I'm sat here working yeah, and doing programming and client check-ins because a lot of my client check-ins are, we do, we do face-to-face video calling, um, or we do, I, the app that I use allows me to do check-ins every single day with the client. So I make sure that's the level of service they get. They get check-ins with me every day, mm-hmm. um, or they get something from me each day. So I give my time to my clients because I truly appreciate and care for them. I really, really do. And Clubhouse, I do the same thing, but it's just like a radio in the background. And if I feel like I need to chime in, I will chime in and I'll... That's why my when I'm on Clubhouse and I'm speaking on the app, that's why I give such a detailed answer because I'll give them a detailed answer and then that'll be me. I'll chime out and go and jump back into in what I'm doing. But yeah. it's, yeah, sometimes it's come at the detriment of maybe a little bit of wife time little bit of family time, but I've got a really amazing wife who puts me back in my box and tells me when time is time. That's good. It's, 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 it's easier to do on Clubhouse, isn't it? Because the issue with that is, is yeah. if there's something like a really passionate topic going on, it, at the end of the day, as me and Tom spoke many times, sometimes you've got to like pick your battles and you've got to sometimes yeah. be like, look, is my time really, if it's my time really worth this at the moment? I know it's like an important topic, but is my time best spelt elsewhere? And obviously, because you're so passionate and you're so driven, you hear something and you're like, I need to get. I need to get involved. I need to chime to in. Maybe you should mainly, be doing it. Bill, to dispel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've heard some of them on there. It's a fucking. You're doing the there, Lord's work it's, on it, Dean. It's, it's <laughs> <a fucking> thankless, <laughs> thankless thing to do. But I tell you what. Yeah, it is. It's it's challenging people and their absolute bullshit fucking myopic tunnel approach to things. And that and and it's only. Do you know what I? I 
I don't, although you see me on there, I have got like an unwritten rule where I'll be off there by sometimes a conversation once or once, once every couple of weeks might drag me until maybe 10, 1030 at night. But then I'll start my power down hour. I'll wind down and, you know, maybe for lack of sleep, I'll get maybe six hours, but I can operate pretty well on six hours. So I know my body clock really well and I've taken time for it. Because you've got good quality, haven't you? With your power yeah, down I hour. do my power <laughs> down quality. hour. Because quality of sleep is just as important, Yeah, and likewise it? now, you know, we're, what the time we're at now, I'll, I'll finish this podcast and I'll, talking to you guys, it's been unbelievable. I'll, I'll still talk for the next 40 minutes and I'll still do some of my power down hour routine with breathing, with journaling, with making some notes, making sure I'm doing everything in my power at the top. Fentanyl. Say again? What was that? Fentanyl. Fentanyl, Fentanyl. yeah. Nighttime <laughs> routine. Like, but this is what I'm saying. Like, But some of this stuff is, this that power down hour is, is key for me and that has mm. been neglected sometimes. But like I said, 80-20 rule. As long as 80% of the time it's good. 20%. The thing about, uh, I mean, just to quickly for our listeners, I mean, Clubhouse is basically an app where a group of people can chat. It's, it's through voice chat. Good thing, uh, good thing about Clubhouse is that because it is done through audio, you can put someone on the spot pretty quickly. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a, a WhatsApp conversation where, oh, fuck, I'll quickly disappear onto Google and I'll just copy and paste this answer to them. You know, when you're doing a voice chat, you are put on the spot. So a lot of the time you will get people stuttering when you call out their bullshit. But I mean... Um, I think that's why you guys did well, though, as well. Like, that's why I've done well on the app, because... Yeah, you, yeah you're not, it teaches you to yeah, speak. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, can, I can speak, you're right. But that's just through the years of experience that I've had or the exposure yeah. I've had to people. And... It's knowing your subject and it's important that that's that's what the app's for. Like you guys are on here and you're talking about stuff that you actually research and you actually think about and you're in, invested in. People go onto an app and start talking about fucking keto or intermittent fasting or yeah. the fucking absolutes of X, Y, and Z and the understanding of energy system development, how to do this, how to do that. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. Show me the research. And they don't fucking know. And I'll say, I won't. It's a good way to exit your echo chamber, it is, isn't mate, it? But I won't tell people they're wrong. I'll be like, okay, but where did you draw that conclusion from? Where yeah. have you got that information from? And they'll be like, duh, 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 duh. and I'm like, well, actually, I've just read that paper, and that paper was done on this, and that's what this actually said. So your first initial con so yeah, like people that's what the app's good for. It is good for that, and that's why I get drawn to it. I mean, yeah, one thing I would say is that, yeah, so Dean does host and moderate every now and again some rooms do with our, our business, so like, yeah, health, fitness, science, etc. Um, I mean, you are an awesome moderator for one of the reasons that you are calm, you are cool and collected. You're the complete opposite of me, basically. So, you know, you also have a way of, like, uh, you can you can actually kill people with sugar almost, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, you can call out someone's bullshit Without it being insulting at all. I, and, but that's not in my character. I'm not the type of person that's going to start insulting somebody. It, whether, yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. not that type of person. I can gripe and whinge and moan about them in the back of my head all I want. I can call them everything under the sun in my head all I want. But what comes out is what my dad taught me is is about being respectful to others and putting it across in the right way. Yeah. But I mean, um, it is it is good for like uh, kind of dispelling myths, etc. So you will hear a lot of coaches kind of go after the a little bit on some of their you know opinions or their advice, even. Uh, so it's a good chance to kind of like discuss that with them. Hopefully, change their mind, or sometimes on the rare occasion you might change your own mind or refine your opinion. Um, it 
it, it can be addictive. It can be addictive. Um, and there are times where you like, I'll give you an example. So Dean very recently did the pain oh, science yeah. room. Yeah. Which I really oh, enjoyed. Good. Now I put a time limit on that because I, I was at a family event on the day and, uh, <laughs> I was like, right, this is the last thing I'm going to be a part of, and I've, then I've really got to go. And just as I was about to go, what posture. did you bring up? You brought up uh, posture. Oh. Is there a correlation <laughs> between posture and pain? And I was I so conflicted. I pulled up. He messaged me. He said, I've got to go. I was like, right, posture's now coming in. Boom. And, he and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was so conflicted. I was like, do I go jump in this hot tub in the garden? Well, the or, good thing is, I, yeah. on Saturday evening at 8, PM UK time, we are doing a posture 101 room. So if you are free, come on in because we're going to be talking about posture, the correlation with pain science, the correlation oh, yeah. between what's good and bad posture, does it exist, movement patterns. So lots of things. Dean, what's your, uh, what is your clubhouse name for people who want to find you? Like they want to follow you on clubhouse. So on clubhouse, we're in a group called Limitless Body and Mind. That's not my group, it's somebody else's. But if you want to follow me and some of the other guys in there, we have um, on Clubhouse, I'm down as Coach Dean Hammond. Uh, or in fact, I think it's just down as Coach Dean at the moment. Uh, you only get so many texts. So um, yeah. yeah, if you come, we host, we pretty much host rooms every single night. You'll find me as Coach underscore Dean and we talk about anything to do with fitness, mindset, performance, well-being. We do, we I don't tend to chime in on anything unless I have lived experience in it or I can actually yeah. articulate myself on, on that topic. If you're starting to talk about neuro, neuroplasticity and you're starting to talk about the the interlinks and how it works through the brain developing these patterns, I, I can't talk about that because I am not that, I'm not a neuroscientist. But if we're talking about strength and conditioning, performance, movement, diet, this is where I would draw my draw my opinions based on the research that I've read. So that's what don't, we you mean. don't pretend to know all basically. I don't know, yeah. and I'll just stay in my do, lane, mate. I'll stay in my lane when I'm on there. Yeah, stay in your I'll lane. I'll just talk yeah. when I think it's right. This is what we mean by saying, you know, you're doing the Lord's work, basically. You know, you're doing a good fit on Clubhouse because I've had 50-50 yeah. experiences on there, both good and bad. But, you know, you are one of the people that you, you've been a lot of nuance to it a lot of politeness you're very civil with people but day you won't stand for the bullshit either so yeah that's something we could all appreciate i mean i've got like eight invites for clubhouse so if anyone does want to use those up hit me up on instagram and i'll give them to you and maybe you can uh find me and ding talking about whether you know bending over too much is going to kill you i think you should wow that's out of context that sounds horrendous and curls quickly yeah I think you should come in. Yeah, you have you have an invite to the room on Saturday, and it'd be amazing to have you both in there for an hour, just doing an hour room. Um, these are the non This is the non negotiable that I set. So what I'll do, Dean, is um, whenever it's uh, if it's my turn to speak, I'll just press play on our podcast. We did a podcast, and I'll just, I'll just play it. I'll play a secret. I'll play a secret from that. Yeah. Like, okay, that'll work. That, that, Absolutely, right. moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Play, yeah. the, uh, play the animated <laughs> clip play. Right, when somebody says something and you laugh. Put your laugh in emoji. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they'll laugh at that. So yeah, yeah. Clubhouse comes at the detriment of some things every now and then, but I try not to let it. I prioritise my time now. So I, when I first started, I didn't, but I have prioritised my time again. So well, sounds like the intervention is no longer needed. We don't need <laughs> to sit down and have an intervention now. We'll have the intervention on Clubhouse. We will. 
on club at a time that's appropriate and it's not after bedtime <laughs> in half an hour <laughs> i'm off i'm gone no club i can't wait to look at my look at my phone at hours time to say coach it's an addictive, addictive app yeah yeah uh, anyway um then it's been a fantastic having you on for another episode obviously this time it was really about you and it was really good to hear more of your story we've obviously dived into it a little bit as you've came on over the last months and so after last year i should say but it's been really good to sort of just sit down and get a raw um sort of you know look at your at your journey and i hope i hope people really appreciate that um because i certainly have anyway so definitely check definitely check dean out he knows his kung fu yep, yep. And I've learned yes, a new word, good. mudita, oh, and a bro. pint of lager. Mudita. It almost feels like I've always got to say something to go with it now. Have to. Mudita and a mudita and a pork set of pork scratchings. I'm good. Uh, yeah. I've got to try and shoe on that word into the title now, even though people go read it and go, what the fuck is this episode Mudita, about? mudita what's that? Two Peshwari <laughs> Nans, please. Anyway. Like I've said to you at the start from the bottom of my heart, last time I said this to you as well, that I, I appreciate what you guys are doing, you know, and it, if if it, even if it's on my morning morning commute to work, I'll sometimes shut the podcast on and, and listen to some of the things that you guys are talking about. And it's you know it, it starts the day off right. And if it's not that podcast, it's another podcast. But you know everything, whether it's high performance podcast, whatever. Who is it? Another podcast? Uh, Who mate, are they? I listen Who's to loads of podcasts. There's bloody loads. Man. Tom, deal with them. Loads. <laughs> Get him off. Conspiracy. It's conspiracy. Conspiracy podcast. Yeah. But no, I appreciate it, mate. I really do. I thank you so much for bringing me up on onto your podcast again and it's do you know what it, it's it's kind of it's like therapy in a way being able to share that story because not many people know the true ins and outs yeah. of who i am and the person that i've become and it's it's good to share it and i'm not scared to share my vulnerabilities and people can have their own perceptions and opinions of me but quite frankly i, I don't fucking care because i'm here for the better and i'm here for the good i'm trying to help other people out i feel like as well this is going to make like looking back now when people listen to this when they, if they've heard your old ones I feel like it just it's just going to build like a full loop of a story almost like they'll, they'll start to appreciate it the way you were in other episodes like how you come across and how we like your passion they'll it'll become more like they'll realize okay wow this is this is why he's like this this is this is this is why he's so driven this is why he's so passionate it's almost like this should be listened to before they listen to the other ones but obviously they won't do because of the chronological order but they'll be like looking back thinking fucking hell this all just it's like all come together now it's like one big big loop and i think i think people are going to appreciate that well i, pre- I appreciate it anyway because i've noticed it just from just from listening appreciate that and there's so many layers to the onion mate there's so many yeah. layers that was just uh maybe just a glimpse of some of the stuff you know it, there's so much out there and you know if we ever get the opportunity again to, to share more or sit down in a, in a pub and clunk some glasses together have a couple two of uh, have a couple of new, two mudita's <laughs> two mudita's and, and a pack of pork scratchings when we get the chance to do that you know yeah. it's got to be, be done, good to it? share even more you know because and listen I, I'm nobody special I'm just a normal person that just likes helping people uh, and if I can do it, anybody else could could quite possibly do it. And you should. I think the party line is: I love what I do. I love the process. I love the journey. And I've failed loads of times. I've fucked up loads of times. But I'm still here to tell the tale. So I'll continue to do what I do. All about the journey. We build ourselves up on hard times. And lads, it's been a it's been a pleasure as always. And I'll speak to you all again very very soon. Thank you very much, you wonderful men. Speak soon. See you later, gents. As always, thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Dean again for taking the time to share that really, uh, you know, uh, deep story. Um, I think it definitely would have resonated with a lot of people out there. Um, if you want to follow him on his journey a little bit further, um, I'll have links down in the show notes for how you can do just that, including his Instagram link and his clubhouse details. 
If you are enjoying the podcast and the content we put out and you want to show your support in some small way, the only way that you can do that right now is to head over to cannonballcoffee.co.uk and pick up some great tasting, performance-inducing coffee and use our discount code PRIMAL10. This will all be down in the show notes. Uh, And yeah, we really appreciate the support, however big or small. So we will see you next week, same time, same place for a brand new episode. See you soon.